Welcome to Stuck in the Cry Room. We all know the cry room too well at church, the place we don't want to go. But feel we have to because of our situation. As Catholic families, many parts of our life can feel like a virtual cry room. We're stuck and don't know how to get out. Host Joe Holt and John Cox will discuss these current challenges affecting today's families. And provide practical solutions so you are no longer stuck in the cry room. Hello, welcome to Stuck in the Cry Room. This is John Cox, and I'm with... Joe Holtz. And Deacon Dave. How are you today, Deacon? I'm doing great, thank you. Well, good. Yeah, Deacon Dave Simonton is one of our newer deacons we have here at the parish. We're so blessed to have him. Um, but he comes with a lot of experience on um, the topic that we really wanted to cover today. And I know it's been on the hearts and minds of a lot of people. Um, the unfortunate, um, saddening situation that happened with um, George Floyd. And many Catholics have been wondering, how do we respond to this issue? You know, we have a lot of emotions and feelings, and um, what is it that we can do about it? How, how do we respond? You know, as Catholics, we should always be thinking about that, our response to everything, um, including our education and our formation. Um, but before we begin, as always, we'd like to begin with a prayer. So Deacon Dave, would you mind leading us in a prayer? Sure, happy to do so. And this is this is a particular prayer that's, I think, appropriate for our discussion today, and it's posted on the USCCB website. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Mary, friend and mother to all, through your Son, God has found a way to unite himself to every human being, called to be one people, sisters and brothers, brothers to each other. We ask for your help in calling on your son, seeking forgiveness for the times when we have failed to love and respect one another. We ask for your help in obtaining from your son the grace we need to overcome the evil of racism and to build a just society. We ask for your help in following your son so that prejudice and animosity will no longer infect our minds or hearts, but will be replaced with a love that respects the dignity of each person. Mother of the Church, the Spirit of your Son, Jesus, warms our hearts. Pray for us. Amen. In the name Amen. of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That was beautiful. Really love yes. that. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I'm glad I found that. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, let's give a little bit of a background mm -hmm. about your experience um, on this particular topic. Mm -hmm. And then also I think it's appropriate for you just talk about your adoption story too with your children because all those I think really play into the feedback and the expertise that you're lending yourself to today. Okay, sure. Well, in terms of, of background, a little bit, I, I guess, first on the professional side of things, as many of the parishioners might know, I am a judge, although um, I'm an administrative law judge, and currently I work for the Federal Mine Safety and Health Review Commission, and so we adjudicate mine safety cases. But before uh, doing mine safety work, I spent the bulk of my career uh, working at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the federal agency that um, enforces the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and many other acts that are designed to protect people from discrimination in the workplace. Spent most of uh, 20 years in that agency fighting discrimination in the workplace, investigating cases. Uh, I was a judge there toward the end of my tenure, 
specifically um, hearing cases from federal employees that were faced with discrimination in the workplace. And so um, professionally, I've had a lot of exposure to these kinds of issues over the years. Um, everything from issues going way back to Anita Hill and sexual harassment issues that, that came up uh, in the early 90s. Um, I was with the agency when the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed and the questions and concerns that people had and employers had about how do we implement this new law? How is it that we treat individuals with disabilities in the workplace? And of course, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 uh, goes to right to the heart of some of the issues we're dealing with uh, today, um, unfortunately, uh, in terms of racism and uh, discrimination against those of color. Uh, or age discrimination, uh, gender discrimination. So I've had a lot of exposure and experience to that on the professional side of things um, and have maybe some perspective on that. Um, from the personal side, my wife, uh, Gail, and I have, um, we have seven children, four of which are birth children. And then our last three we uh, adopted. Uh, we have a daughter that is biracial, uh, part African-American and part Caucasian. And then we have two children that we adopted from China. And so um, from a very personal level, we have some, um, I guess, we're tied to many of these issues and, and our hearts go out to folks that are struggling with these issues uh, that, that we're faced with as a country, but on a very personal level, just our own family. How, how do we address that with our children? How do we talk about these issues with our children? Um, it's been my belief for a long time that racism comes um, not naturally to children, uh, mm -hmm. It's something that's taught to them. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, I think in generations past, it's been taught to them by their parents, unfortunately, and how um, uh, parents have uh, approached this particular issue. And so that's a particular concern in terms of just how is it we go forward educating and helping our children uh, do better with this issue in the future. Um, so that's a whole that you know, we'd have a whole discussion <laughs> yeah. about how to do that, and uh, so exactly. Well, I'm glad that you brought that part up because a, a conversation that the two of us have had, uh, you and I, is um, off the air mm -hmm. before having this podcast was about our family of origin a little mm -hmm. bit, and I had shared with you that my upbringing was very um, multicultural. Um, you know, I grew up in an area that, if I could be honest, I, I think that whites were probably the minority. Uh, but I, I just grew up my, you know, all of our friends, our neighbors, people at school, it was, it was truly like a big salad, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> there was no just green lettuce, there was everything, mm -hmm. you know, that was in there. And so when I moved on to college, and I started to see, you know, that everything wasn't as equally mixed as how I grew up that allowed me to kind of step back a little bit and to see how people are responding and also to take into account my mom's side of the families from the south and i remember at a couple instances of us taking trips down there and hearing their perspective and there were a lot of things that they would say you know even from my own family that i would question as appropriate mm -hmm. um you know things that i think many people would take great offense to 
And um, so that that was always difficult. But when you you take all of those experiences and you think about it, and then you look at how everyone's responding today, whether it's protests, whether it's loitering, um, you know, if it's hurting people, hurting property, you know, and and you begin to wonder. At least I begin to wonder what was their upbringing, where in their growth did they get this idea that acting out in this manner would be appropriate or would be just, mm-hmm. right? You know, that's probably not an equal weight for for what we're experiencing. So it sounds like you're agreeing with that whole idea about the shaping and and how. I mean, this is not innate. You know, we're right. not we're not born with a chromosome that tells tells us to be, you know, um, you know, unkind to no. people who are different than us. No, and and I think that goes back to certainly our belief as Catholics and our scripture that tells us that we were born by God. We have been formed in the womb by God, in his image. And that image isn't just Caucasian white. It's not just African-American or Hispanic. Um, It's all colors, all races. God in his magnificence has deemed deemed it appropriate and beautiful to create all people. Um, And all of us are part of that image of God. And so this is part of, I think, the heart of why we as Catholics carry a sadness in our heart when we see injustice and when we see racism um, against our brothers and sisters that are look different than right. us, um, are from a different background, and it should strike us to the core. It, it really, it it should uh, shock our conscience when we see this kind of hatred. Um, going on. Whether it's George Floyd or or, uh, our society at large, um, there's all kinds of issues that are are surrounding us um, that really, I think, are in many ways um, are the work of the evil one that wants nothing more than to divide us as Christians, as Catholics. Um, It's a whole host of reasons and not to really dilute the focus away from racism, which is or a fo- focus today, but you can see it in our society, how divisive our society has become to the point to where people don't, uh, are, are even shying away. And of course, our pandemic isn't really helping much no, <laughs> in terms of bringing us together. It's social distancing and, and right. we can't touch each other. We can't breathe on each other. We, you know, all the things that are contrary to what the way we know as humans is healthy, which is to, to live and dwell with in community with each other. I think I think that's one of the things that we're decided we're discovering who we really are now that sports has been taken away, <laughs> entertainment has been taken away. We can't really do anything to distract ourselves. Now we're kind of confronting as a culture who we really are, and I think we're starting to recognize who we are as as much evil as is going on right now. I think we also this can be a great opportunity for good to come out of this evil. And to address these issues. I, when I've been watching the news the past couple of nights, something that has been shocking for me is as they're talking about all the protesters gathering together, not following the six-foot distance. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. when you see individuals going up and hugging the police officers and shaking yeah. their hands, we're not... We should be focused on talking about the love that people are trying to share and how they were trying to come together. But I feel so frustrated 
that the media wants to still focus on the COVID consequence mm. of what's happening. Mm -hmm. So all they're talking about now is now we need to open up all these testing sites and get everybody tested because everybody's been mingling together. It's like, just stop for a second. Just stop and let's really talk about this human issue that's going on right now because we're not going to be able to move on and, 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 and become better or to move on from this issue until we address it. We can't cover it up anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we've, we've shared before that this has been going on for a long period of time. Yes. You know, and how whatever analogy that you want to use for it, you know, the camel on the, you know, the, the back or the, or the, 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 yeah, that thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the right. match that lit the fire. I mean, you know, this has been going on for a long period of time and uh, we all have our different experiences with it. But what can we do? You know, as Catholics, what's our response? Mm -hmm. um, what should we participate in and, and what should we be doing going forward? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it ranges, the, the gambit ranges uh, everything from, from prayer, which we should always do when we see injustice, when we see um, evil in our world. Um, prayer is something that I think is absolutely core and something all of us can do, no matter where we live, no matter our background, our circumstances. That is something that can unite us and does unite us in prayer as Catholics. And so that is, I think, number one, um, in terms of just praying for our society and our circumstances, praying for our law enforcement officials. And, and as they struggle to figure out you know, how do we deal with these circumstances? How do we serve and protect, do our jobs in a way that's effective and at the same time um, reach out to those communities of color to, to help them understand that we are here to serve and protect? This unfortunate circumstances, and this is not, as everyone is aware, this is not the first time this has ever happened. Mm -hmm. We have a history of this, and every time it comes up, it it, it raises these issues and then um, we wait and then, you know, the next time something happens and it just keeps going on. I think what we're seeing in by just the length of the demonstrations we're seeing, it's not just one day, it's two days, it's we're what, on eight days right. of demonstrations going on. It's the, the it's escalating. Uh, it, it's escalating in many different ways. Some ways can be positive. It's an escalation um, pleading for change by those that are trying to be constructive and peacefully demonstrate. You know, obviously one of the disturbing things to see is that it's being hijacked by those hmm. that want to, you know, to rain right. destruction on our society and destroy businesses and, and um that is very unfortunate because sometimes that can, it, it, it serves the purpose of unfortunately detracting from the message, the positive message that, that people are, are trying to convey, which is things are not right and we need to change those things. But then it gets hijacked by those and that's what gets a lot of the media attention. You watch night after night, they're just watching for where's the violence, you know, where are the... Um, you know, fire is going to, to be lit. And when really what I think as Catholics, our response should be is we just celebrated Pentecost Sunday is where is the fire in our hearts for the Holy Spirit mm. to, to motivate us in constructive ways? Prayer is one thing. 
perhaps there are people that are sitting at home going, you know, maybe I need to go down and, and march with the peaceful demonstrators. That's a perfectly appropriate response if you're called by the Holy Spirit to do that, to reach out. And we've seen police officers doing that, reaching across the line saying, I will march with you. Um, you know, there are, the Holy Spirit works in so many different ways with folks. Um, and, and I think, Joe, when we talked about this earlier before we went on the air, uh, you, you brought up some great points about um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and all of us have different gifts, and it manifests itself in different ways. Um, and so to tap into those gifts and to try to find ways, search our hearts for ways that are constructive and peaceful and will help build our communities. Um, I think a good part of this racism issue comes from the fact that we just don't understand each other many times. We don't understand people's backgrounds, uh, what they grew up with, the stress um, I can see some people looking at these demonstrations going, what are they complaining about? We live in the greatest country in the world. We're free. Yet those individuals don't feel free. They don't feel like they're protected by the same laws that we feel that protection from. And so hmm. part of that, I think, is just getting a better understanding of where they're coming from and to listen to them um, and to hear their stories. And a good part of ministry is really listening mm-hmm. and just being yeah. in the presence of people. And I oftentimes worry about that. What do I say to people? What, how, do I, how do I face this circumstance that this most difficult, whether they've lost a loved one or you know, whatever it is that folks are dealing with? And one of the things that in formation that they talked about when we'd express this, and I, I, w- I was one of them, I said, well, you know, how do I respond to this? What do I do? And... The response is usually the same. It's just be present for people. Mm-hmm. Be present for people. Be in their presence That in a way that they know that you um, are there to support them and to listen to them. And so I, be, I think a big part of this racism issue, at least at the beginning, is just understanding where this, um, where the, 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 the hurt is, you know, um, understanding why our African-American brothers and sisters don't feel safe and feel like they're being attacked by um, our police and law enforcement officers. Um, you know, why is it that they have to teach their children that the first thing they do, they do if they're ever driving a car and they get pulled over is to put their hands on a steering wheel? Um, that's not something that I grew up knowing about <laughs> or realizing, and no one ever told me to do that. But that is something I have heard that is consistently taught to, uh, particularly in our communities of color, that you put your hands on the steering wheel because the automatic assumption is is that you're going to grab a gun or you're going to do something violent. Um, And so there are different ways to react to law enforcement. And um, it's just I I think a big part of this is just understanding where Mm -hmm. folks are coming from. Yeah, absolutely. That's so beautiful what you said, because, you know, you can look at this from a couple of different parallels. You know, as a parent, I can think back to times when, you know, my kids had tantrums and they were absolutely just so upset and kicking and screaming and and not wanting to do anything. But a lot of that was fueled because I didn't understand them. 
I didn't understand what they needed. I didn't understand what they wanted. There was a time they couldn't really communicate themselves very well. Um, and, and I see that in the same respect with a lot of the past stories we've heard about police brutality, you know, that they just came in with an authoritative position rather than even just stepping back, analyzing, taking a look at the situation, asking the questions and listening. It's just immediately, what are my gut instincts? And I'm just going to go with that. I, I don't, I, it, you know, it's probably not even the right instinct, but I'm just going to, and unfortunately they're trained to do that, you mm -hmm. know, because as police officers, you, you have to, you know, make quick responses and you have to move quickly, but some of the, yeah, your adrenaline's flowing and yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, reaction. and, but when you watch the video and I don't know if either one of you have watched the video, um, with George Floyd, I, I mean, it, it just, I don't know if it's more anger that's inside of me, sadness. Um, so I'm just fueled, which is so many different emotions at one time. So I can't even begin to understand what the victim's families go through the ones closest to him. Even, even think about the, the police officer who did this and his family and how his family, I mean, I know immediately reports came out, his wife filed for divorce and all these things happen because of this. And that's another issue too. Not that I want to go down that rabbit hole, but, um, but still how everybody's being really affected by this is just so different, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, but onto the idea of, of response and Catholic response. Yes. I, I think for some Catholics, we've discovered what our gifts are. I mean, John, do you know what your gifts are that you have? That God has given you. Um, Some of us, it takes a while to figure them out. I don't. I don't mean to put you on the spot here. I think I'm doing Sherry Whitehall's talents and gifts program or something. Uh, no, I do. I, but the, I, I guess this is my opinion about the gifts, though. The gifts come and go as when they're needed, and I think that's something we always say. I have a gift of X, Y, and Z. You know, I think the gifts come and go as as we need them. So, as in this situation, hopefully, justice will come and i think that's the hard part i think what these people are demanding our justice which is good and we should but we can't we can't separate that from mercy you know that cop obviously had no mercy for george floyd but we still have the obligation to show mercy here in this situation and actually even because he showed no mercy we have a greater obligation to show that love and mercy because that's what happens to me this is just keeps escalating and it's going to keep escalating until someone has the strength. And that's the thing. It takes more strength to show mercy than it does to reveal justice. And I'll explain. Like with my children, you know, if my children do something wrong, and justice would be, justice by definition is what is owed to the person. So if my children do something wrong, if they break something, then they have to pay back or fix it. And usually I get angry, right? <laughs> but it takes more strength, more power, more will to withhold that anger and frustration mm -hmm. and show them forgiveness. This is why St. John Paul II says God's greatest attribute is his mercy. And this is the problem in this situation. We don't see mercy anywhere. And someone, ha and that's why I love when I see the, the, the Facebook posts of cops hugging you know, the protesters and vice versa. Like those are those African-American guy who had a t-shirt said free hugs. 
and he was hugging out like I love that like I want to get a t-shirt like yeah. that like, the heck, with, <laughs> heck with COVID you know mm-hmm. and, that's and, right. and stuff like that and I think that's what we need to see is mercy and, and these people are hungry for justice and they're never going to be fulfilled and that's why I'm worried about this escalating because it's never going to be fulfilled because there's the only perfect justice we're going to get is with God in the afterlife and actually yeah we're all on the, we're all on the wrong side with that so we got to be very careful. It's okay to have justice and, and it's a good thing and we need to demand it, but be careful what you ask for. And, and I think this is a great opportunity to show mercy um, and, and to have mercy and to ask for forgiveness. And, and that's why I think is the most, that's what brings me hope. If that's what's going on and that's what happens, then I think that's, what's going to resolve these issues. I don't know. I mean, I would like to think that that's the case. But if George Floyd's family came and went to the police officer, for an example, mm-hmm. to forgive him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I pray within their hearts that they, they can do that within time. Right. But if they if they were to do that, I don't think that that would reverse or stop anybody from doing what they're doing. No, not necessarily. But I think no. of John Paul, too, when he got shot, he went to see his the person who's assassinate, assassinated. Yeah. Well, I mean, Maria Goretti. I mean, after yeah, she passed away, she yeah. went to visit you know the the individual yeah yeah and now exactly he became a hermit a franciscan and yeah he might be up for canonization oh okay so well. this that's the power of forgiveness and i think we're not even that's not even on the table i don't see that anywhere and um so how would you like to see that play out oh i don't know I'm, i mean i mean just i don't I'm know <laughs> just, it was just taking our guest here you should have all the answers right now in the hot seat over here <laughs> i'm just gonna pass the buck pass well since he's the expert he has more practical experience than well. i do i'm just the ethereal guy right well and I, but i do think you, you raise a, a good point about mercy because there are there are all kinds of, of tremendous stories and you were just mentioning a few of those where we as humans um there have been circumstances where we're able to or individuals have been able to rise above the circumstances what how horrendous however horrendous or hurtful or destructive as they've been and to show that mercy and so in 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 an odd way these are opportunities for for us to express that mercy of God and unspeakable kinds of circumstances. I did, I actually did a homily about this and pointed out instances specific to, you know, the mass shootings um, and, mm-hmm. and families that uh, victims in those circumstances reaching out and forgiving those that inflicted those, that, that harm in their communities. And it's unfortunate because we don't, I think you're right. Either, either, we're not ready for that, um, or it hasn't happened yet. And, but, you know, it could happen, mm-hmm. but we don't hear about those circumstances oftentimes. And so, you know, in the times that we live in where we're so, and especially now we're, you know, we confined to our homes where, you know, our access to the outside world oftentimes is what we see on television or on you know, the intranet, we are increasingly relying on those that bring us that information to frame ourselves around, okay, what's really happening and what's really going on. And that can be very dangerous because, um, you know, it depends on how it's spun and how, how it's presented in terms of, of that. And so when we see those instances of mercy, I think those are the pieces of hope. 
Those are the bits and pieces that hopefully will come together uh, in a way that will help move us in the right direction. And oftentimes I think people think, oh, well, we're just back to the way this was back in the 50s and 60s. And part of me says, yes, there is still obviously racism in our country, and it's still an issue that we're dealing with. But part of me also realizes that, that we have made advancements and things are getting better in many ways, um, but we still have work to do, and that's really what this means. It's interesting to me that the acts of, and this is across the board, not just with this issue, but many issues, how one person's actions mm-hmm. can ignite a whole, you know, a whole country um, in either for good or for bad. Well, well you know, it, it, I, when I was a catechist, we would do the, the sin demonstration with the string. Yeah, I don't. Do you know this? Okay, no, you don't. Uh, how do you string, so, okay, It talks about the ripple <laughs> okay. effect. Just, just hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Um, if you get a classroom of kids or your whole family, I mean, like a great way just to illustrate this for kids, for them to understand. And you have ball of yarn, and you you loosely. You know, you wrap that yarn around your wrist and then you pass it off to someone else in the family and they wrap it around their wrist and they keep passing oh, it around. the spider web? Yeah, the spider web. Oh, and then okay. when you pull on one part, you see how everyone is affected by that. You know, just like when, when I sin and, and when I do something, it affects more than just myself. That's the beauty of the Catholic Church to be able to go to a priest for confession as he represents the entire community. You know, but what you're saying here, one person's actions just affecting a whole community, a whole world of of people and that just presents us with i feel opportunity mm-hmm. and whether that is i mean definitely we all need to demonstrate mercy a little bit more and be more forgiving and more loving and more understanding but the opportunity for what is my place of the world where i stand right now mm-hmm. what do I touch? What do I influence? Um, you know, what, what am I involved with? And what can I do in those areas in order to um, increase the understanding and to increase the awareness and to make change where that's necessary? You know, I mean, ministries should be dialoguing about this to say, mm-hmm. us as a ministry, how open are we? You know, how how much um, are we willing to engage in these conversations? You know, how can we influence more change and reach out, you know, with our faith to others? So I, I feel that there's a lot of opportunity um, that each person should really be reflecting and discerning upon right. to see what they need to do. Which was Deacon's point at the beginning of this. Uh, what are you trying to say? That I didn't pay attention to any of his conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> Apparently she doesn't listen to your homilies. <laughs> right. You're so critical, John. <laughs> Don't judge me. Okay, yeah, you know what? All right. Yeah. You know, this would be a sight to see when yeah. you talk about mercy. Yeah. This would be an interesting sight. Not that I'm going to condone don't encourage this at all. But um, when we've got these big cities, LA, New York, you know, even Denver, right. I know we have these. And we've got the individuals at night that right. are causing a little bit of unrest. Right. For there to be the silent protesters right there with candles praying through the whole thing. That would be awesome. See, I, and that's the key is prayer. Yeah. I mean, uh, exactly what we were saying earlier, Deacon, it starts with prayer. If we don't turn back to God, as these people thirst for justice, which is a good thing, they have to recognize they're never going to find perfect justice in this world. So they're always going to thirst for it. 
until they turn to God because only God can dispense that perfect justice. Mm. And I think this is why they're so hungry and so angry is because they're hungry and they're searching for it. But if they don't want to go to God, which is what I'm, which, which the appearance is right now, they're just going to keep being hungry for it and get angrier and angrier and angrier. And that's, that's the concern is that we have to turn to God. If we want justice, we got to turn to God. If we want mercy, we got to turn to God. Um, and I think that's a great point. If they had candles and a vigil, you know, mm-hmm. for his death and his passing away, that would be phenomenal. And or, I think that'd be very transformational. Or just praying, you know, right there on the sidewalk while this is happening, the police are there. You're praying for the police that they can be safe. You're, you're praying for like a conversion of heart mm-hmm. for those individuals who are not yeah. choosing appropriately. There was a, there's a beautiful Facebook post with a Carmelite nun kneeling at the protest and praying. Really? Yeah. Did oh, how beautiful. Where, not seen it. Where you know, was that? I don't know where it was, but she was praying and kneeling. She's also, she was spray painting on some um, <laughs> wall. It wasn't walls. It was on paper of the convent, you know, and God is love and just a few things. Oh, so okay. So it was her own property. It was, it was her own property and it was on paper. Um, yeah. Let's not encourage anybody to do, to do that yeah. at the cathedral, please. Yeah, please. <laughs> Let's not do that. Right. And, and I, well, I, I think that raises, see, this is, to me, one of the beauties of the Catholic faith, because it is universal. We have a rich history of, of um, protesting in a peaceful way uh, that oftentimes people tend to forget. And sometimes people look at that and say, oh, well, that's just sort of the radicals of the church. But those individuals, in some form or fashion were motivated by the Holy Spirit um, to do, as as you mentioned, in, in terms of advocating for peace. Right. Um, and and so this isn't, this isn't, um, I mean, our Catholic faith is so rich and our tradition is so rich that we have, we have in our history um, people that in many ways are protesting. We have martyrs that died for the faith. I I mean, it's radical to go out there and continue to preach that uh, the Messiah and to preach about Jesus to the point of losing their lives over that. And so that is part of our tradition as Catholics. It's, um, and and so. Yes. Actually today is the feast of St. Boniface. Yes. And um, that he was a martyr Mm -hmm. from the pagans. The pagans martyred him. That's all I know. Actually, I do think it, it is it is also important to make that um that distinction that that violence is never called for under these kinds of circumstances. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we have great leaders in our past. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. We had, you know, in the, in, in the 60s, we had Dr. Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. who resisted the temptation, the call from his own people mm-hmm. to take up arms. Right. He said, no, that is not the way. That's right. The way has to be a peaceful demonstration because anything else violence and destruction takes away from the message. It takes away from the struggle that we are trying to communicate to people. And I think that that really above all is one of the things, and we, Pope Francis just uh, addressed this in his general audience two days ago, um, that 
you know, violence is not the solution under these circumstances. And so, um, and, and calling for peace and calling for people um, to ask for the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the Mother of America, as we uh, implored her in our opening prayer today, um, for her intercession, for her wisdom and her um, guidance in terms of, of interceding for us um, in a peaceful and constructive way, because that really has to be at the, at the end of the day, that is an absolute that we can, I think everyone can agree on that violence and destruction is not the way to solve our problems. Um, and, and whatever form or shape or whatever our response has to be, it's not in that direction. Um, and, and one needs to re- just kind of reflect if we sit, sit back and think, and oftentimes we think about this, okay, what would Jesus do under these circumstances? I don't think it would be destroying property <laughs> and, and creating mayhem. That is not, that's not the way. Um, and so that is one of the things that we can agree on. And it's sad to say because it seems to, it, it seems to be that that is so obvious that we even have to address that or talk about it, but it is um, something we're back to. Yeah, and I think going back, I guess too to Joe, your what we started to talk about in the beginning of our conversation is just what is the Catholic response? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in many ways it can start. You know, we we think about okay, well, what kind of what what can I do that really makes an impact? Um, and I think unfortunately, you know, we. It's, it's, it's a challenge for us in terms of, okay, what is it that we um, can, can really do about this? Um, yes, we can pray and we can show mercy. But I think a lot of this really comes in just sort of the everyday things that might come up, that might come up in our workplace where people are talking about this issue. And again, I go back to the fact that our country seems to be so divided in so many different ways that it's very hard now to find common ground about anything. I just spoke about, you know, one of the issues that, that to me it should be um, kind of obvious, but we're talking about everybody can pretty much agree that violence really isn't the answer to this. But what other ways can we go outside of our comfort zones, you know, to, to interrupt somebody in, you know, the water cooler discussion about this where, you know, tempers are flying and saying, wait a minute, just what John was talking about. Where's our mercy? Mm. Where where is our faith in this? Um, you know, uh, how do we how do we respond in a constructive fashion um, that really demonstrates? Uh, and I go back to I, I mean, all we I, I, I brought a Bible today that you know we go back to the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord our mm-hmm. God with our hearts mm-hmm. and all our minds and our souls. And the second greatest yeah, the commandment. Second is to love our neighbor as That's ourselves. Right. And we're back to that. How do we do that? Hmm. How do we love our neighbor as we love ourselves? Hmm. And, and challenge ourselves to really think about that in constructive ways. You know, how do we reach out to people that we just many times don't understand? Um, and realize that in many ways we're really very much alike we're in, in terms of humans. We're all trying to find our way in this world you know, all of us would like to enjoy um, the benefit of a job and peace and security for our families. And I think that's, again, going, going full circle, that's really where 
the heartache is and the burden and the heavy hearts that we have for our brothers and sisters that are suffering. Um, they, they are in a circumstance where they don't feel safe. You know, they are many times uh, the ones that are unemployed. And we have now with this pandemic even more and more people that are unemployed, unable to provide for themselves and for their loved ones. These are very basic kinds of social justice issues for us as Catholics. And again, the Catholic faith, the Catholic tradition has a long history of social justice issues. And so this is very ripe for us as Catholics. It, it, it is important for us to have heavy hearts and, and to weep with those brothers and sisters of ours that are suffering. Um, that, that is part of the healing process, is to walk with people. Try to understand where they're coming from. We may not agree to the, as to the solutions or how to go about it, but what we come back to, as John mentioned, is this mercy and love that God is calling on us, pleading for us to be, and that second commandment to love others as we love ourselves. Yeah, and I think the other thing I was thinking of as, as you were talking, Deacon, is, is patience. Yes. And I think we've lost it. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, I lost it a long time yeah. ago. I didn't say that right now. Uh, my, my pastor, Father Jim, used this. Patience is a virtue. Get it while you can. Seldom in a woman, never in a man. Never mind. All right. I'll I, was, you know what? I, I paused for a moment there because I, I thought you were going to just hit me with something. No. But no, but it was actually a very nice thing that you said. So you just made, used to you, tell me that all the time. Yeah. yeah sold them in You're a woman. just really harsh with mankind, basically. Oh, all men. Okay, <laughs> Who are um, patient. No, but with patience, <laughs> I think patience, and that's the hard part is that with technology and everything, we want a quick fix to this. We want to go to protest at whatever capital and then say, fix it now immediately. Let's go back to our homes and move on and it doesn't work that way and i think the only way this will be resolved is that if people continue to do the right thing and be persistent in it in a good and healthy manner in a virtuous manner um which means the devil's not going to want it he's going to oppose a lot of this stuff and so I, it's important that we are patient with it and let god do the work because i think that's also what's escalating too is the fact that People want instant results, and there's no way that's going to happen under these circumstances. Just like the very beginning of our church, this is a grassroots effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, this is you individually impacting and influencing those directly next to you, then them taking it out, and we start this chain reaction. So um, it's definitely grassroots as you smile at me because I feel like you have a sarcastic comment that you just want to throw in there. No. Did Deacon Day say that one too about good grassroots? Why are you picking on me? <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously though. Um, I, you know, I think there have been times that I have gone to the Capitol, mm-hmm. you know, to speak out in favor or against a particular bill, a particular legislation that was against or for, you know, our values as Catholics. And it's easy for some of us to feel that our voice doesn't matter because we're amongst many other people. And even the crowds of people who gathered aren't enough. You know, we're looking at this, you know, partial uh, abortion, Mm -hmm. you know, ban. And, and a lot of people have been fighting so hard to, to see that through and are met with just walls and obstacles to be able to, to hurdle over. And it creates frustration. So I know that probably many of the listeners here just feel frustrated. Yeah. 
And they feel frustrated because they feel that they've done their part and they have tried and it just doesn't seem to be good enough. But everything is dependent upon just not ourselves. It's our whole community. And that's when we have to remember we're all part of one body, one community. And so I would say start reaching out to your friends, reach out to your family, reach out to your neighbors. Yeah, I think a lot of us are just paralyzed by fear. I think fear is what's driving this whole thing, a lot of it. And um, especially with my kids, I don't know how your kids are deacon with dealing with this. If you want to please comment on that. But I know with my kids... My older son, you know, gosh, get off of YouTube, Josh. I'm like, just get off of mm-hmm. all that stuff. Because mm-hmm. he's like his father and just losing his mind. He's all scared and, and he's like knowing what's going on and trying to handle it. Um, and so I, I guess that's why I'm hearing a lot of like younger people, uh, high school students and stuff are very much afraid because this is a new experience for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we we talk to our children um, especially our older children, and now we'll be more so with our younger children about just all of the challenges that they are facing and the experiences that are going on that um, when when my generation were kids, we had challenges. You know, I grew up, uh, I was very young in the 60s, but there were those challenges too. We had the Vietnam War and we, racism was rampant. Uh, back then, those were those kinds of race riots. There were lots of issues going on. And so, um, you know, our kids, unfortunately, are facing, uh, well, the pandemic is something that, you know, that's 100 years every uh, that, that most of us have never experienced. And so that is uncharted territory. And so that's the challenge in terms of how do we instill in our children that fear really is not from God, that... Um, this is where we're called upon to really rely on our faith. You know, this is the challenge. You know, um, we hear it all the time, which is, you know, do not be afraid. When when Jesus went to uh, his his apostles um, after his crucifixion and resurrection, they were holed up in a in a room, much like probably one we're sitting in here <laughs> with microphones. <laughs> with, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were they were stark raving, you know, fearful of of the Jews and what would happen to them. Their lives were at risk. And the first thing that Jesus said to them when he walked in the room is, "Peace be with you." He said it not once, but at least twice. "Peace be with you." And so. <clears throat> I really think that 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 again goes back to and and a whole other discussion about discernment of spirits. But the evil one wants to create this unrest, this fear, this um, division, and 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 so it's important, I think, for us to be able to somehow communicate to our children to step back and go look at what's happening, and where do we go from here? We have to go to God, as you mentioned, John. We have to go to our Lord and Savior, and we have to do that in prayer and in trust um, those fears and lift those fears up to God in a way that uh, affirms our faith, that this is what we believe. These are the, kind, these are the challenges that we're facing uh, in our society, and it's important for us to be um, courageous in in professing our faith in word and action uh, and and trying to underscore that with our children to help them um, in terms of their going forward um, in terms of how they deal with some of these issues. It, it, it calls for, I think, um, 
you know, a great courageousness that maybe we haven't seen yet. Yeah. And that has to come from the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's what we have to rely on. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, yeah, thank you, Deacon sure. Dave, for mm-hmm. taking time out of your busy schedule sure. to be with us and yeah. to share your wisdom. And we're praying for all of you, you know, all the members of our community through this time. And um, if you need any support from us at the parish or any questions directly for John and I, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're happy to assist you in any way we can. Um, but be safe, be blessed, and we'll see you next time. Amen. Amen. Amen.